Somewhere along the, in the way in history, and it probably has been this way forever, Christians and those who believe the Bible are perpetually accused of leaving their brains outside when it comes to those things that are science. Uh, we are often uh, inundated with that idea that Christians have no clue. Now, one of the problems is that in a lot of ways, uh, Christians do leave their, their, uh, their brains outside and say things like science and Bible, two different things. Uh, and so uh, we don't need to be uh, observing things and, and, and we don't need to understand science and we don't need to use our brains to try to figure things out. This is actually antithetical and goes against the Scripture. God has always desired we as God's people to use the senses that He's given us and the brains that He's put in our heads to be able to find out how He has made things and glorify Him because of it. Um, We as God's people do not need to run from science and math, from physics and biology um, in fear that the science is going to disprove God. The amazing thing is, is that more and more science goes on, the more and more we find out that the explanation for how we are here today comes down to with very little chance that it's God who made us. God has given us eyes to see. He's given us ears to hear. He's given us tongues to taste. He's given us hands to feel. And uh, brethren, it is it behooves us um, that we as God's people are willing to use these things um, so that He might be glorified in this world. Probably the single greatest thing that is stealing God's glory today are those who say, I know more than God, and my science is better than God's. No, God is true and every man is a liar. And when science, when science seems to show that there is, a, there is some way in which we could be here today without God, you can be sure it's because somebody who doesn't believe has put their unbelief in their science. In other words, they have a preconceived notion that God is not, therefore my science says this. But when we take our brains as Christians and we begin to place them um, in the, the scientific observations that are made today, the conclusion more and more and more is that God is and that He perfectly created this universe, if there's any imperfection, it is not because of God, it is because of the sin that has entered in because of mankind. And I want you to take your Bibles there and look to Proverbs chapter 8, and we're going to start there in verse... uh, I want to look first at um, verse 22 and 23 um, and try to determine what it is that... God is trying to say here. And the Scripture says in verse 22, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way, before His works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. 
when there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While I was yet, he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. And may God help us today. And uh, would you help me and by praying for me this morning? And uh, let's do take a moment and to pray um, before we get into some of these things. Father, would you please guide us and lead us? And would you please, amongst these dear people, um, would you give us, again, great confidence that you are right? Lord, would you also raise up those whose minds maybe are sharper than any one of us um, to be able to uh, show forth with their own eyes and their own ears, their own mathematical models, uh, that You are God. Um, well, Father, if not from our church, would You raise them up from churches around this world, whether they be here in America or in South Korea or in China. Um, Lord, uh, the godless model of science is being shown for what it is, a fraud. Lord, may we be those who go forth with the truth. Please, we pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So, as we look at verse 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, there's this pronoun that's used over and over again. It's the pronoun I. And as one of the, as we were talking this morning in Sunday school, what is the first rule of Bible interpretation? What is the first rule of proper Bible interpretation? What is it? Read slowly. Right? Read slowly. And whenever you come across a pronoun, uh, which of course, uh, if you only had pronouns, it would leave out, who are you talking about? Right? And so whenever you're looking in your scripture and you're reading through a particular passage and you see pronouns and pronouns and pronouns, one of the things that, that, uh, that we ought to do is try to figure out who's being talked about with the pronoun. Um, because if we took these passages for what they are, and we, we asked the question, who is the I, and we just assumed, uh, we might see some characteristics of God and say, we're talking particularly of God. But actually, as we move back in the passage, we find out that it's not God in particular, but the very wisdom of God. And so I want you to look there, verse 11 For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. And so, what is better than rubies? Wisdom. What cannot be compared of anything that you could get? Wisdom. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I found out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, an evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Did you know that wisdom shows that these things are an abomination to God? The evil, the pride, the arrogancy, the evil way, the froward mouth, these are all by the very wisdom that is acknowledgeable throughout the world that these things are bad, right? These things are bad. Do you need to be an acknowledger of God to know that an evil way is bad? You don't. One of the things that atheists will often say, and they'll ask you this, is, is my not believing in God mean that I can't be good and I can't do good things? 
Well, let me ask you this. If an atheist found somebody who was having a heart attack on the side of the road, and they knew that uh, if that person were to stop breathing, I can do certain things to keep that person's heart beating. If they did it, that would be the right thing to do, wouldn't it? And we might say, well, that person did the right thing and he doesn't believe in God and therefore maybe there is no God. No, the question cannot be, can I be good because I don't believe in God? The question ultimately has to be, can I be good without God, period? Not belief, but if there were no God, could I do good things? And what would be the measure of good? And so if somebody is dying on the side of the road, they've had a heart attack, they've stopped breathing, and that same person came over and said, there's a person and type of person I don't like. He's not breathing now. There are certain things that I could do to get him to breathe again, but rather than do that, kick him in the head. Why would we say that's evil? On what basis is that evil? Without God, there is no basis. No, an atheist can do the right thing, but their righteousness in doing the right thing is completely based upon the not subjective way of goodness, but the objective goodness of God, which has been known throughout history. Now, here's the problem. How many people in the world choose to do the wrong thing even when they know what is right already? We all choose to do the wrong thing And there is none that doeth good. Um, And so the question is not, I can be good even though I don't believe in God. Well, that may be true. I can do the right thing even though I don't believe in God. But here's the question. On what basis do you do the right thing? And here's what the scripture says. That wisdom has been from the beginning. Did Adam, Adam and Eve have wisdom enough to know not to eat the fruit? Yeah. And that was not just because of the words of God. God told them, don't eat of the fruit of the garden, for in the day in which you do, you shall surely die. But in the day in which they did it, the first thing that God says is not fear that God might find out that they did it, but the first thing they find that that happens is that they don't like the fact that they're what? Naked, right? Where did that come from? There is a wisdom from God that we have because wisdom has been, the wisdom of that which is good and evil has been from the very inception of the world and was made clear to Adam and Eve on the day they ate that fruit. People today know right from wrong because God is right. And evil is such a big contrast between who God is. The scripture says in verse 14, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Um, by me, kings reign. Again, this is speaking about the wisdom of God. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. This is not God saying, I love those that love me. This is the wisdom of God saying, I love those that love me and seek me early in the morning. There is a distinction between. You guys get that distinction? Those who seek wisdom early in the morning shall find wisdom early in the morning. Those that love wisdom shall find wisdom. 
Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. By the way, some people read this passage and they read verse 10, 18 and they never get to verse 19. Alright? So when they read verse 18, riches and honor are with me, they say, well, if I seek after God's wisdom, then I'm going to be what? Rich. What do we mean by rich? To have a lot of gold and a lot of silver. But they forget to read the next verse. What does the next verse say? My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Right? And so which... What, what is God talking about here in terms of riches? The riches that come from wisdom that are outside of gold and silver, right? You don't have to seek after wisdom and be rich. Verse 20, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way before His works of old. When did wisdom start? Wisdom started before God began creation. The wisdom of God was there as God was creating the universe. Verse 23, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. Those things that can be known were there from the very beginning. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. And so all these things are speaking about that which can be observed. And wisdom was there before they were there. In other words, if we seek after wisdom, part of that is going to be seeking it out in the fountains, in the waters of the world. In the mountains and in the, the, the space that we can see. The, the heavens that are before us as we look up into the sky. And <clears throat> verse 26, while, it was yet, uh, while as yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, I was there. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, I was there when he gave to the sea his decree and the water should not pass his commandment. I was there when he appointed the foundations of the earth. I was there. All of these things um, in which God has made what was there before he made it. Wisdom and what continues to be there today. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And turn over with me to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 1 and 2. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. What is God trying to express here? He's trying to express, I want you to notice, he says, from day to day it utters speech, and from night to night it showeth knowledge. What? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Everything that can be seen and observed, 
shows the glory of God. And how can we gain in knowledge day by day and night by night? We live in a truly remarkable age. Because our technologies have allowed us to go to the moon. Our technologies have allowed us to see into the farthest reaches of space. At one point in the history of the world, there were those who believed that the earth, which God said was hung on nothing, was carried by a man. Others believed that the earth was carried by a turtle, and they asked, well, who's carrying the turtle? They said another turtle. And of course, when you ask who's carrying the other turtle, what was the response? Just another turtle. We live in a great age. God, the, the things that God has declared in the Scripture are being proven over and over and over again. Um, he is the one who has made the universe. There was a time where people believed that the universe was static. In other words, there was a limit to the bound of the universe. <laughs> Today, we understand that the universe is ever-expanding. By the way, we'll look at this in a second, but if the universe were static, we'd be up the creek, because physically, what would gravity do, uh, and, the, and what would the magnetic fields do um, with a static universe? It would suck it into where there was nothing. <laughs> but God says, He stretcheth the heavens. As we are able to observe the things that have gone on and are going on in our universe, the evidence of a Creator God is becoming so incredibly obvious. Sir Martin Rees, he's an astronomer for the uh, uh, Astronomer Royal of Great Britain, said, "Wherever physicists look." They see examples of fine-tuning. In other words, the universe works so perfectly that we can live here on earth. <laughs> and without the, without the universe being so finely tuned, we would not be able to exist. Not only would life not be able to exist, but there would not be any chemistry. There wouldn't be any rocks. There wouldn't be any anything apart from the fine-tuning of the universe and the solar system, of the Milky Way, the solar system, and of the things of this earth. In the 1960s, Time came out with a very famous magazine article. In the front, it says, Is God Dead? And in that time, PBS came out with a, <clears throat> a series of uh, documentaries on space that were narrated by Carl Sagan. He was the premier atheist and a supposed astronomer of the time. And his idea was at that point in the 1960s that there is no need for God in order for us to be here. We see the expanse of the universe and it's just so obvious that the chance of life being is just... It, that's why we're here because there's the universe is so big... The chances of a being are so big. He said there are two things that people need 
in order in, in, that light that life needs in order to exist. You need to have a you need to have a distance from the sun. You need to have the right sun, and you need to have uh, the right distance from that sun. In order to have a planet that can have life, you just need a sun like ours, and you need to have a planet that's the right distance from that sun. He said, according to my math, I can look out and I can say with all confidence that there are 10 octillion planets. That's a one followed by 24 zeros. Based upon that understanding, I believe, according to Carl Sagan, that there are 10 septillion planets that can support life. And so with, and that's 10 followed by 20 zeros. And so according to my math, there are at least that many planets that have a chance of supporting life. Therefore, it's just obvious that we're here. Based upon this thought, they began the, pro, the, the program in the 1960s, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. S-E-T-I. Have you guys ever heard that? And uh, you probably, if you probably, if you don't under, uh, seen SETI, you might have seen... All the big uh, satellite receivers, they're not satellite receivers, they look like sat- big satellite dishes that you probably had in the 1980s trying to get, uh, trying to get satellite uh, TV instead of cable. And uh, there's dozens of them in rows, and they're all trying to receive some evidence of life out there. They've been looking for the past 50 years for life. Some radio wave, some evidence that life is somewhere out there. Guess how much evidence they've accumulated in 50 years? Nothing. Why? The amazing thing is, as we have observed the universe, we have begun to see over the past 50 years that this universe... This galaxy, this Milky Way, this earth, which we have, is so finely tuned that there are so many different things that are necessary for life, just life to exist, much less intelligent life, that it's no longer that there's 10 septillion planets out there somewhere that can support life. In fact, many physicists today say that the chances of us ever finding life out there are becoming so minuscule, it's ridiculous. What are some of those finely tuned things? There are many. There are over, there are not two, there are over 200 different things that need to be perfectly in line. And guess what? Day to day, what do you think we're finding? Night to night, what do you think we're finding? More things. There's over 200 of these things that scientists have said, you know what? The idea that that we're here because the chances are just so big are outside the realm of possibility. Many of you know Stephen Hawking, he died this past year. He said the remarkable fact, he was an atheist, the remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. 
The last paper that Stephen Hawking wrote was an attempt to try to explain how big the chance is that life exists with such finely tunement. And you know what it was? There's a machine that's pumping out universes out there. And it's eventually one of them's got to make this universe to where we can live. Do you know what the multiverse ultimately is? The multiverse is ultimately a desperate attempt to show that God doesn't exist by just throwing something out there. It's a last ditch effort by the atheism of this world to say God doesn't exist because there's a machine pumping out universes out there in infinite numbers. And the chances, yeah, the chances are so small, but there's infinite universes out there. There's no evidence for this. God is the maker of the universe. Are you guys with me? The gravitational constant, this is the, the number by which gravity is. It's hard to explain. I don't really understand it, but the scientists tell us that if there was, if the gravitational constant was just a bit more, how much more? If it was off by 10 or 1 with 60 zeros, 1 with 60 zeros, if that constant was off just that little bit, If it was a little bit more, nothing could form because everything would float out and that that nothing would be able to, to come together. If it was any more, everything would have immediately collapsed upon itself. And so even unbelieving scientists who believe in the Big Bang have an understanding that if the gravitational constant was off by 10 to the 60th power, to give you a little bit of an understanding of that, There's 10 to the 14th power cells in your body. If you were to measure the 13.7 billion years that evolutionary scientists believe this world has existed in, and you were to measure it in each second, that would be 10 uh, 10 to the 20th power. In other words, for the gravitational constant to be off, not an inch, not a speck, but the, one of the smallest numbers that you could comprehend, this universe could not be. You guys with me? This universe could not be. And yet it is exactly as it is. The rate at which the universe is expanding. The rate at which the universe is expanding. Number one, we've, we know that the universe has to expand. Because if it ever, if it ever stopped expanding, what would it do? It would begin to collapse. But the rate at which the universe is expanding is 10 to the 55th power. If it was off by just a little bit, guess what would happen? Life could not exist. We would not be here. There would be nothing. It is so finely tuned. There are other things that go beyond these, these, these universe ideas. By the way, the expansion rate, they use, they call dark matter. Dark matter is this, this cause of the expansion rate. I'll tell you where the dark matter is. The God who is, 
stretching the universe. Other things that are necessary, can't go into all the hundreds of them that there are, but Earth's distance from the sun. If, if Earth's distance from the sun, if we're any closer, if we were just a, in, just a little bit closer to the sun, just a little bit closer to the sun, there are lots of things that would happen. But number one, the gravity of the sun would cause such mayhem that we would not be able, there'd be no life on this planet. If the gravity of the earth was just a little bit off, a little bit less, a little bit more, it would have an impact on the, uh, on the atmosphere. And there are so many things that are contingent upon this. The ozone layer wouldn't be there, which protects us from much of the harmful rays from the sun. Uh, the atmosphere that we have that's filled with oxygen. Did you know another thing is if oxygen, um, if there was a little bit more oxygen in the atmosphere than there is today, you know what would begin to happen? You know what oxygen is? If you were to, t- if I were to bring a tank of oxygen in here and I lit a match, would you think that'd be a good idea or a bad idea? You say, why? Oxygen is flammable, right? There has to be just as much oxygen as there is in the atmosphere. If it were a little more, guess what would start happening? Things would start catching on fire. If it was a little less, we'd have, we wouldn't be able to breathe. The amount of oxygen in the atmosphere needs to be just right. In order for there to be a planet that is habitable, there needs to be another giant planet in its solar system protecting it from asteroids and other things. Do we have that kind of planet? Jupiter, right? Jupiter draws in many of the asteroids that would otherwise come after Earth. If Earth were the biggest planet, guess where all the asteroids would be sucked to by gravity? But Jupiter has a bigger gravitational pull than Earth. So where do most of the asteroids go? Towards Jupiter. Um, The stability of the sun. The sun gives incredible stability of energy output. We get afraid whenever there's a big sun explosion because we're afraid that explosion may cause our electrical grid to fail. Right? Did you know other stars... That the belches that they have consume planets? In other words, if the sun were not constant and so amazingly constant in its energy output, if it were like other suns, that the other stars that belched out more energy at some points, then this earth would be barren of life. It wouldn't take much. But the sun is constant. The reliability of the moon's orbit around the earth. In other words, the earth, the, the orbit of the moon is almost circle. Almost circle. It's just 0.05 degrees off circle. Why is that important? Well, if it was elliptical, like many moons are around planets, then when it's at its furthest, it would cause the tides to be nothing. And when it's at its closest, it would cause the tides... Rhode Island wouldn't be here. <laughs> the Earth's rotation around the sun uh, 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 is almost a circle. It's just 0.02 degrees off circle. 
Again, what would happen if it was more elliptical? When it was further away, what would happen to the earth? It would be colder. And when it was closer to the earth, what would, when it's closer to the sun, what would happen? Do you think we could grow anything? If our, our, our going around the sun were anything more than, than that as a circle? No. It is finely tuned. Who finely tuned it? God. You see, as we look out and begin to observe what God has done in day to day and night to night, these things are stacked on top of one another. Are we seeing that, that there's less evidence for God as the scientists so hope we believe? Or are we, as God says, seeing that the heavens declare the glory of God? Oh, absolutely. As these things stack upon one another, we see more and more that God is the one who made all things. Dr. John Lennox said, the more we get to know about our universe, the more the hypothesis that there is a creator gains in credibility as the best explanation of why we are here. Who said that first? Who said that as we know more about our universe, God would be more and more glorified? God did, right? Psalm 19, 1 and 2. Right? Christopher Hitchens, the, uh, he's an atheist who is the, one of the more uh, outspoken atheists of the past generation, said without question, the fine-tuning argument was the most powerful argument of the other side. The other side is that there is a God. Now I want you to take your Bibles and just for a moment turn over to Romans. In verse 18... God tells us this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. These things are... These finely tuned things are unarguable, unarguable by even atheist scientists. They would say these are facts. What do they do though? They hold the truth in unrighteousness. They declare these things to the world in our universities, in our colleges, in our high schools, even in our elementary schools. And what is believed by our students? That there is no God. And yet, the very things that they're proclaiming more and more show that there is a God. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God and is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Day unto day and night unto night, He showeth His handiwork. But I want you to know, and this is of the utmost importance, please listen, that we ultimately are not desiring to lead people to go from atheism to believing in God. Because a person is no closer to the God who made them unless they believe in the true and living God, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the one who framed the earth and who made the heavens. Jesus Christ is the one in whom all the worlds are made. Jesus Christ 
is the God of all creation. And He is the one who came and lived His life in this world so that we might have life through Him. Jesus is that, is the one who is the God that is being spoken of in Proverbs chapter 8. It is from Him that the wisdom of all that God has made comes from. Because He is the designer. Ultimately, it is not enough to believe in a designer. A person has to believe in Jesus. And the same one who died on the cross is the same one who put all these things in place that are so finely tuned. The mind of Christ is the mind of the one who caused all these things to work together so that we might live. Next week, we're going to move from a creator God to if he did these things, did he do it for a purpose? And what would that purpose be? If he made these things so finely tuned for life, but not only life, but my life and your life, what might that purpose be? And that is the one of the great questions of life. Why am I here? And we'll take a look at some of those things next week. But from this, my fellow believers, would you please, would you please not be fooled by unbelievers in science? Science does not disprove the existence of God Day to day and night to night, it is showing more and more that God is. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Psalm 19. The key... So Psalm 19 verses 1 and 2 is not that the wisdom that God has left us with and the knowledge that God has left us with that grows day to day and night to night as we look. That's not the main thrust of the passage. The main thrust is that these things declare the glory of God. In the quietness of the moment, would you spend some time Glorifying God. Would you bless God by speaking of how amazing He is? Speaking about how great His handiwork is. Would you tell Him how truly remarkable He is as God? And I want you to know, the end of what God has done has not even gotten close to being observed by man. Not even close. There will be more that we discover. And it will all point to the amazing Creator God. Thank Him. Speak to Him. Glorify Him.